It's just so strange because everyone's so quiet this morning. <laughs> You know when the music kicks on, I can't hear a damn word you said, but we're alive anyway. <laughs> okay, that's good to know, because it's Pixel Pints, everybody. Unbreak my heart, say you'll love me again. Hello, we are Pixel Pints. Um, that's a surprisingly brilliant song. Whatever happened to Tony Braxton? Um, we are the only global podcast that talks about two things that we enjoy, which is good beer and video games. We're not here to promote drinking. Please drink responsibly. We're not um, here to also promote in-game gambling. So that's pretty much 2K games out. <laughs> Not that they would pay us anyway. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore pints, and you can follow us on Instagram at pixel pints pod. And I've missed out part of the other intro, but do we really mind? I don't think so. <laughs> I um, guess Stefan. <laughs> Stefan, welcome back. How are Thank you? you. Uh, I'm good now, but I'll, I I learned that I, I I don't want to babysit again. <laughs> well, particularly particularly with five children. Yeah, I I got sick like immediately. Oh, they're 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 little diseases. <laughs> they just yeah. carry everything. <laughs> yep. Especially like at the age where they're not good at washing hands and stuff. It's just like. Uh... So but, yeah, that was not good. Next time you just put them one of those like a uh, uh, you know giant like ball balloon thingies where they can bounce off each other and they just don't get to touch you. <laughs> oh, so my brother can come home and, and he's like, "Why did my kids have a concussion?" You don't get concussions. There's cushions on the inside. Well, I would think you get whiplash. Uh, a little. You could depends. They would go aggressive. I think is it and you'd say well at least i haven't got I, i'm not going to get ill again <laughs> so it swings in roundabouts bro i'd probably go in there not to get the germs on me <laughs> you just bounce around and hit the children um <laughs> when, when also don't condone bounce, bouncy violence towards children unless they deserve it maybe which is what percent um, of the time <laughs> Depends on how ill they are, I suppose. Um, Mitch, how are things in LA? Yeah, things are good. Um, just got done doing what we call a game jam with uh, a bunch of colleagues of mine, and it's called. It's basically you make a game in a short amount of time. So we made one in ten days, and uh, you know we're we're pretty darn proud of it. So got to produce that one. Um, so it's my sole. It's my first sole producer credit on on a title. Um, we're not selling it it's free so uh, but it's 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 really fun to to do all that um it was a fun process and stressful at times but it was great i had a blast with all my colleagues making that project so we're really proud of it good but um obviously from a business standpoint that's not a very good business model <laughs> i mean giving stuff away for free that's just silly well i mean it's got a few bugs in it that i'd rather fix if we were going to try to sell it anyway and to be yeah, honest but bethesda have released games with loads of bugs in it people pay for them oh oh sorry we don't say it's a bug it's a feature <laughs> 
and, and uh, does your game offer mod support? I don't think so. I, I I actually have no idea. That is more on the programming side. That is not my expertise. And uh, all I know is our game. We run it in Unity. So potentially, I'm not sure. Okay, so allegedly we're getting another guest, but we'll just keep going until they arrive. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, shall we move on to Beer Talk? Where I'll be talking to myself for a small amount of time, I'm presuming. What are you talking about? I got beverage. Oh. Yeah. You have beverage, not beer. And this is Beer Talk. <laughs> um, so yes, I've, I've got three beers, all from Scotland. And we've been joined by a Dark Lord of the Sith. Um, so start, starting off, I have Innocent Gun, Lager Beer, um, brewed with golden oats, which um, makes it slightly slightly more toasty than um, a, a classic, classic beer. McEwan's Export, which is like the, the love child between a lager and a brown ale. Stuff's amazing. Um, and but I'm going to start off with cross brewing or gross brewing even um, from Dundee. This is um, a New England style IPA with some rather sci-fi fantasy looking cityscape on the can. Um, so six point five percent ABV. Um, it's you can't drink in it if you're a celiac, but it's beer, so you wouldn't be able to anyway. But you've got to do that, like saying fish is an allergy when you're buying fish. Um, it doesn't have all the information that Evan would normally go through, like international bitterness units. That's just because they don't put it on the can. Or this stuff is bloody lovely. It's dangerous as well because it's six point five percent, but it smells. It's got like a really fruity vanilla hit on the nose, and then you get this kind of slight, um, slight burn ash slash tobaccoy flavour. Oh, that's um, a that good sesh. That's a great sesh. Great sesh beer, bro. Is that the G Ross beer? Mm-hmm. Nice. I thought it was cross, but it's gross. Um. <laughs> But they can pronounce it any way they wish. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would, if anyone if anyone happens to come across cross brewing um, from Dundee, um, I would absolutely recommend this. Dundee amazing sounds, stuff. Dundee sounds familiar. It's it's a place. Um, that's probably yeah. why. Okay, all right. There's there's well, there's a Dundee brewery that I've had some stuff from before but i'm not sure if it is any in any way related to that beer but i'll keep an eye out for that that sounds probably no no it wouldn't be it just happens to be in dundee which is on the uh, east coast of scotland north of edinburgh nice um so for our energy drinkers out there our energy drink listeners out there mitch what have you got only because I, I only do it because it's early in the morning. If it's nighttime, I'm pulling out a beer, but it's morning, so got to have a drink on the show for beer talk. Uh, I've never had this. It's a plant-based drink. It's uh, called Oka. Mango-flavored Oka. Plant-based energy drink. Yeah. Um, it's kosher. <laughs> it's just, 
I love uh, I find it interesting that they put these fun little labels now on these drinks to like label if they're like vegan, kosher, whatever they are. So it's just advertising. Yeah, I know, hundred percent. Well, they they all do the same. Best is free. Well, all of them are doing the same one, so I wonder if it's more of a legality thing for California, but it could be. I wouldn't be shocked. Maybe, but I mean, a beverage isn't required to be vegan. No, but it, like maybe label if it is, or yeah, I would be shocked yeah. if that was the case to like tell people that are vegan. But oh yeah, no, no, you, you obviously wouldn't say it's vegan if it isn't vegan. But right, um, it definitely is like a choice. A lot of those labels, like you could be gluten free, but not say you're gluten free, and mm-hmm. but I mean it that cuts out part of your audience because if they're not sure or whatever like that so you may as well say all the things that it is and they probably did aim to be all of those different things like let us make a beverage that appeals to the widest common denominator this is um, very interesting it's like uh it tastes like sparkling water meets it's like you took sparkling water and then you put your juice in it okay which I've is not that. it's not bad it's not the best but like i think it does taste actually like pl- like more natural than all other energy drinks i've had so far even alani oh even alani alani is like yeah. the alani is not this natural like natural tasting thing it's just it doesn't it tastes less like a produced type object but somehow they can make you taste all these funky flavors and they taste exactly how they're supposed to that's the that's the magic of the alani but this one is this that it just pr- has accurate accurate flavor representation mm-hmm gotcha 100 they have a rocket pop version tastes like a rocket pop like oh nice it's like crazy or like they have a caramel apple one literally tastes like you're eating a caramel apple it's just insane but this does taste like it's like more natural, more healthy. So, I, I give it a I give it a seven. No, it's I think it's lacking flavor, but you know it's still flavorful. Someone's gonna say like, "Oh, just drink orange juice." And I'm like, "Well, okay, yes, orange juice. Orange juice is delicious, and orange juice is natural, but it is candy water. <laughs> it is or, just delicious orange candy water. Like, look yeah. at that, like." Orange juice is up like, yes, vitamin C is good for you. Yes, it wards off scurvy if that is an issue to you. But orange juice is just candy water. It's delicious. Well it's not bad for you, but it's well it's high in sugar. If you did it naturally, like if you did natural squeezed orange juice, you would be talking a it different doesn't story. It's still, you're, you're, it doesn't it doesn't matter. The sugar content is, is about the it's same. The same. Um, um and if you're talking about drinks but, where you But when I speak the, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Um, so if you were to have, say, cranberry juice, that's if you had to know, no, this, why are we talking about this? Anyway, because um, beer talk, so <laughs> if you if you add a second berry to um, any berry drink, you dramatically increase the amount of sugar. So if you look at go and find a carton of cranberry juice and then go and find a carton of cranberry and raspberry juice and look at the difference in sugar that you you'll be drinking. It's yeah. massive. It's like an extra third. Yeah, I guess for me, it's not. I don't consider it as bad because it's more natural sugars than added preservative sugar. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, no. A like for in general for your body, if I mean it's all pick your poison. Like I, I used, yeah. well, I went through because like 
All right, growing up, like, all right, the white packets, the white packets, that, that's, uh, you know, diabetes and fatness. All right, okay. The pink packets, the, they're going to give you cancer or whatever. Uh, the blue packets, those ones are going to give you memory loss. And uh, the yellow packets, those are going to give you night sweats. So, like, it's, it's like you, you pick what you... Beers you make all the doing. categories. <laughs> like, all the different sugars are, like, your, See, your this, this is when you're, like that. This is Mikey's experience with drug dealers in Pennsylvania. Um, possibly. I don't know. Um, Stefan, what have you got beverage-wise? Uh, sparkling ice drink. Um, zero Fine. sugar, actually. My dad's a crazy um, fan of those things. Yeah, they're so good. I mean, they have a lot of different flavors to pick from. Mm -hmm. um, so I used to work at a grocery store when they first came out. And like people would come like and buy like 15 of their favorite drinks. Or their favorite flavors, and I would go try to get that flavor because that would be the one I liked, and they would be all sold out. Like, they they have their diehard fans that just it's insane. Are you telling um, me that they 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 have their own fans like Xbox and PlayStation? They're hardcore ICs. Oh, yeah, I I think they do actually. They're pretty crazy. <laughs> What's really crazy about this too is that like they have all these like you can tell they add like of different vitamins to it like 15 percent of pretty much every vitamin which is a little weird it, it it's really good this is black cherry nice i also make i also wonder if they delay a new flavor do the do the fans get angry <laughs> well i'm thinking more ice in terms of what is it they're, they're the people who deport people from the united states aren't they? <laughs> that too so that's is, their, is this their is this their PR arm? Yeah, it's their sponsored drink. <laughs> yeah, um, we we deport we deport foreigners because we don't like them, but we also make delicious ice water drinks. And when we send them on their way, we give them a nice ice. No, this is this is what they serve in the in on like the prisons or something. Yeah. Oh, in the in the cages. Yeah. That's gonna, that, whole, that whole thing makes me sad. Yeah. I was um, gonna cheat and pretend i had a beer in here but it's really my uh scottish breakfast tea nice nice you know you know I what i that was gonna be broth at first you know <laughs> i i thought it was like. i thought it was iced coffee but um you know uh speaking of tea really quick before we move on uh you know what i do i, I don't i and keith you might call this sacrilege we'll see like to i the, probably will um i combine two different tea bag flavors to make one flavor so, it depends on what uh, that's not necessarily sacrilege if I, you're just making a breakfast tea or a, an afternoon tea then it depends on what what you're using but. so i start my day at the office and i'll do uh, uh a peach pie tea combined that sounds absolutely disgusting combined with a lemon so it tastes like a, a peach lemon it's so good like every time my coworkers um, come like sneak over and go your tea these, smells uh, fantastic are these uh, herbal teas or are these uh, caffeinated teas? No, they're all non-caffeinated. Okay, so they're herbal teas. So, yep. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, it, Keith, I'll, I'll say, I don't really drink herbal teas unless I am ill. Or, but actually, I do make a working tea for late at night. I'll make a pot of tea, which is like one bag of chamomile, one bag of like a. Uh, like a vanilla tea or something like that because it's lower in caffeine so I can like keep drinking it steadily through the night while I'm working on something. But in general, I only drink caffeinated teas when I drink tea. 
but uh that i do like the smells of a lot of uh teas because my wife drinks a lot of herbal teas and i'm like oh that'd be great if it gave me any kind of zip and zest <laughs> <laughs> like to, to to work on the day um, uh, all of that sounds terrible <laughs> uh shall we shall we move on to our topic for today let's do it well first mike how are you doing he showed up late. It's not good enough. <laughs> I will be brief. I am tired because my daughter threw up in her bed at 2.15 this morning. Oh. So I had, so I had to clean that up, make sure she wasn't feeling and then had her sleep with me with a bucket on the side. Like, if you have to throw up, throw up here. It's, so, always, it's always, a, you know, I even remember as a child, like when I was like, I got a bed and like I think I was like very much potty trained for a while and somehow I just wet the bed wet the bed randomly and I felt so embarrassed to like go to my parents at two in the morning and be like I wet the bed I don't know where the sheets are. <laughs> well, as long as you didn't do it when you were sixteen, that's probably fine. Oh no no no! I think I was like twelve. That would be twelve. Yeah, <laughs> maybe ten or twelve or something like that. It was just at an age you never <laughs> expected it. And I woke up and all of a sudden I was like, "What the heck happened?" Yeah, you, there was no need for you to answer any of that. Um, but thank you for sharing. <laughs> for the record, I was very, very brief. The response to me was longer. Touche. <laughs> Touche. One point for Mike Q. <laughs> All right. Uh, what What's our topic? So uh, with this game, this year in games being packed, jam-packed not game jam-packed that's something else um jam-packed with releases um and uh there was the interview that neil Druckmann did recently where he said um we've announced games too soon and that's created problems for the studio i thought it would be good to to talk about some video game launches that stood out to us um who who is are there any publishers um studios who do launches historically well are there any who do it historically badly? Are there any that stand out for us for good and bad reasons? Um, so, Stefan, would you like to kick us off? Uh, the first one I have is a mix of good and bad, um, and that was Zelda The Wind Waker. Um, because I have a memory of going, I don't remember if it was Funkoland at the time, it probably was GameStop. Um uh, Wind Waker would have been Funko Land. Uh, okay, that was Funko Land. Then. By the time it was and, Twilight Princess, it was GameStop. Yeah. Okay, and so I, I, I put money down on it, so I, my mom drove me there, dropped me off to, to pick it up, and she said, i got to run, run a few errands. Since this is a, an event, I'll uh, just have some fun, and I'll be back shortly. She was gone for three hours, so I was stuck in Funko Land, just having to draw like Zelda pictures. And like color and, and things, but like since it was Zelda and that they had all this stuff, it was like a good launch still. But like being sitting on the floor of Funko Land for three hours was not a good experience. Uh -huh. um, was I thought you were going to say something else? Then it's like my my mom left me in Funko Land and went and played The Legends of Zelda for three hours. <laughs> oh no, uh, I I don't know if it's possible. Do this but i would have disowned her um <laughs> but... uh see, sought emancipation is the uh is the is the upward uh, punching <laughs> equivalent 
Yeah, um, and then for do you want to do we want to go around just do goods first and then bad? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I was I was gonna ask you just real quick where. So was this during like was this a, a midnight launch or was this a waiting for the store to open or? Uh... It was. It wasn't right when they opened, but it was pretty early. Uh, I would say I got there like maybe eleven. Okay. And How old were you? Eleven and eleven in the morning. Ooh. How long ago did Wind Waker came out? Thirty six. I, I don't drive right now just because of the epilepsy stuff, so I had to yeah. sit there. I've no idea. You're asking the wrong person about Nintendo games. Let me let me do the magic of my Google searching. I got it right here. Let's see. Someone will have to do the match with me because. Wind Waker happened in 2002, so that would have been 11 years ago. 11 years ago? Yeah. No. Yeah. 11 years ago. So 2002, 20 years ago. Oh, duh. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, 20 Remember, years ago. every memory we have is actually 10 years older than <laughs> So, uh, So, yeah, just take your age and minus 20. Yeah. So, 36. Sorry, I can't think right now. 26, I was 16. 16. Yeah, so I was stuck there that long um, as a 16-year-old, which is not a fun place to be at 16, I don't think, for three hours. Um, but we have this running gig. To put it this in perspective, if we have to beat somewhere uh and my mom's driving we'll tell her if it's like let's say we have to be there at five o'clock we'll we'll say like we have to be there at four o'clock because that's how much he messes up time well that's There's how much the midwest to... people do things they always plan to be yeah. they always have to plan saying we're, we're gonna be there at that time and then we're gonna arrive like 10 minutes to an hour early plan yeah, on it like i <laughs> i we had to drive up to duluth once for my uh best friend's wedding and I told my best friend told me the time and he knew the gig and I didn't realize he was lying to me. <laughs> I, I, I dropped the hour back another hour and then my mom called his mom to try to find out the time and she found out that both of us were lying. Oh, about the time. She was, she was pissed. Oh my God. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's my, that's my good launch. Okay. So more less about industry stuff and more about the Personal. expectation of the the game yeah. coming out for you. Yeah. And the game satisfied you. Oh yeah. Okay. I think another reason it was a good launch too is that there was that there was a skepticism with the game because was I think I forgot what demo it was that they showed like that Zelda HD thing. I think it was like. I can't remember what it was called. But oh, yeah, the it, game it, they won't it, bring it, to the Switch so I can play Wind Waker for the first yeah. time. Yeah, thanks, thanks the, Nintendo. The the, was that the motion controls display at, was it E3, when Nintendo used to show off at E3, and the the the, um, the Wii remotes wouldn't Skyward work. Sword. Skyward no, this Sword. Was before, this was before oh, okay. the Wii. They, oh, no, I'm sorry. Oh, no, sorry. Princess. I'm sorry. That was, Twi that was Twilight Princess. Okay. So this is why no one, ever, no one should ever ask me or talk to me about anything Nintendo. It, this, they showed this little brief gameplay, not gameplay, but like this cinematic after this would have been between Majora's Mask and um, uh, Wind Waker, and it was like oh this yeah, I I'm, I remember what you're talking about. It was yeah, and, it was kind of like the first like more 
real looking yeah. dark like uh legend of zelda game and everyone's like whoa that like that's a yeah. cool concept and stuff and then and then they, they showed up the cell shaded game yeah and then they and everyone and everyone was, like, was like what the yeah and so people were pissed but then when it came out everyone was like wow this game's awesome so in that respect it was like a really yeah. good launch because they proved everyone right or wrong, my only problem they proved my, my only problem with us uh, uh wind waker is that it spawned uh spirit tracks and that other that one it's awful <laughs> it sucks so bad it's interesting how like zelda gets gonna zelda gets a pass on a lot of things including just being like oh it sells shaded oh my god it's the best thing ever but then like prince of persia does sell shaded and they're all like it's a horrible game <laughs> yeah who, that, who messed up the art style that that version of Prince of Persia is better than the Sands of Time, I think. I th- I, I don't totally like I the, don't totally agree, but I, one? yeah, the other one with um Nolan North as the prince, but yeah. like uh, okay, the, the and, cell and, shit. Like and you have like a, a Elica, yeah, you have Elica yeah, yeah, with yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, I, I own it, but I've never played it. It's very I, okay. So like, I am in partial agreement with you, uh, but what? I think I just like different games. No, no, I get you. Like, I do love the platforming more in the original, and I think it's more challenging, whereas this one, it's more of, like, click as you go. But I love the combat in the premise of, like, you didn't have to upgrade any of the combat. Like, it's just the more you play it, the better you get at it because you learn more buttons you can use to fight the enemies with, which I found interesting. It was way more accessible, too, in that way, Um, especially in the combat because, like, there was no, like, there was no game over like yeah they just grab you and pull you back up again it was that was their their example of a game over screen basically is they would just pull you and checkpoint you um so it takes two yeah game overs kind of yeah yeah no 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 it is definitely like it takes two well all right yeah but uh, but yeah i I agree with you i I really liked it i kind of was disappointed and didn't get an opportunity to get a sequel because visually that thing was gorgeous yeah moving on I guess I, 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 do you want, Keith, you can go. Go, Keith. Okay, okay. so wait for it. Video game launch, build up, everything was absolutely perfect from my mind, and we will never get something like this ever again. Tell me what it is. Tell me what it is. The announcement of build up to and then launch of the original Mass Effect. Oh, the first one. So yeah, honest, that one was not on my radar. The very you, first. What one. Are, are you kidding me? So the reason reason being I mean, at, the t- at the time I I wouldn't have had. No the, no no I Mike mean, Mike I'm agreeing with okay. you because to be honest, I didn't even know the game even launched. I bought it when it was like twenty bucks at a at a at like a, a Target, and then I would say Mass Effect 2's launch was probably better because more mainstream people actually knew what the fuck Mass Effect was. Yeah, but that, that's without you can't have two without one. Um, so <laughs> explain. So you, there, there is there is no Last of Us two without the Last of Us. Um, the reason that I mention that is because we're in a different world now. So back then, um, developer walkthroughs weren't really a thing. Um, all of the vignettes that you get from Bethesda nowadays, more on them to come. Um, the, you know, every five minutes and um, uh, 
uh, Reddit boards and all of this kind of all of this kind of stuff didn't really exist then. So it felt like a, a bit of a purer launch to me. Um, so the reason that I enjoyed it so much is because of the world building that they did prior to the launch of the game. So you could just buy buy the game at launch and go in and understand the world. But what Bioware were doing at the time was drip feeding information via, via a website to say, Here's, here are the worlds, here are the races, here are the builds that you can have. So kind of building up the knowledge base for people going into the game to say, here's, here's the types of interactions that and between races that you, you can expect. This, this faction doesn't like this faction. So you, you, in terms of your choices through the game, are going to influence how these factions relate to one another. And you don't get that anymore. It's now someone like Todd Howard sat in a very sterile environment reading from an auto queue, um, and I don't—I'd I'd liked the the kind of semi-organic nature of it. I know all of the information was vetted heavily, but it allowed me as a reader to make my own interpretation of what what that story might look like, rather than having someone tell me what mm -hmm. they think it might look like having worked on it and then yeah the game came out and it didn't do gangbusters um but it it was the most solid um rpg game that i'd played in a very long time that wasn't isometric um you know what you're, what you're reminding me of is old like people saying... i'm reminding <laughs> you of old people the, how, the, how they set that up like before the launch is that's making me think of I, I'm not sure if it was Halo Two or Halo Three that they had that I Love Ease campaign. Do you remember that they had the uh, augmented reality thing? <laughs> and like it's like how they I think they I think got a lot of people hooked on Halo just through that. I think that was that. three. It maybe maybe, been, cause it, maybe maybe it was two maybe it was two because because one to two. Like, that was just a straight sequel, that was the next one, but wasn't there, was there a game between 2 and 3, or was, like, all the spin-offs after 3? I think it was 3 all... was after ODST. Or, oh, sorry, I think ODST was after 3. Because ODST and Reach were all after 3. Because they were right? prequels. So, um... Okay, and yeah, I yeah, think, like, that's, I mean, the spin-offs, like, yeah. type. okay. So. Um... But yeah, I agree with you. Like just saying, like how they, just it makes sense to say that because like leading up to that, like parsing or I don't know if that's the right term, but parsing out information like that um, just to get people excited. Um, yeah, and it, I know it helps a lot. Yeah, and I know it's not like it was because it was a new IP and a brand new game from Bethesda. Not Bethesda. Why I've got them on the brain because they're shit at launching games. Um, um, a Bioware, and because it was from um, Xbox Studios, it just it just made me more interested. And it was one of them. It was I think that game was the reason that I bought an Xbox 360. So yeah. that's that's my link to kind of launch personal um, personalized launch game information. Goodness followed by satisfactory, um, no, more, much more than satisfactory actual 
game playing um, enjoyment that I got from playing it. I played it through three times in full. Uh, and then the DLC I, came out and I played that twice. So, uh, sorry, I can confirm it was Halo 3. Okay. Nice. For those vignettes or whatever. Those yeah. Uh, augmented reality vignettes. But Keith, I will give you one thing for your, your thing. Oh. At least they didn't lie. Because I, I would say... <laughs> I again I've said this before on the show but like one of my standout moments of the first game was when I killed the Krogan without knowing I was going to kill the freaking Krogan. <laughs> yeah and um I know we're going to we'll go on to bad in a moment and then we can do kind of overarching who get who who perennially gets stuff right and who gets it wrong. But the I the I can't uh, properly articulate the level of excitement I had for when that game launched because of the build-up to that point. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think I've ever felt as excited about a game since even subsequent Mass Effect games because um, I was excited to play them. I wasn't as excited about what was happening in terms of the build-up and I knew what I was getting. So there, I haven't had that level of excitement. Um, I've got a question for Mitch uh, potentially later I, on about what a certain publisher is doing, but yeah. I shall stop talking and we shall move on to... Can I add one thing? Of um, course you can. Yeah. Because uh, do you want to know why, uh, Stefan? Because you, you asked politely and you didn't do what Matt does and interrupt me. <laughs> holding a, a for, for Mass Effect, I just remembered that uh, I think I knew about the launch because of Jeff Keighley talking about Sideboob on Fox News. <laughs> you remember that? I do not, but it sounds like something Jeff would have yeah, said early in his career. <laughs> yeah, there, there there was the debate about like the like the sex scenes and oh, stuff or just the romance. That's right. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. Because the Mass Effect was in the uh, the embroiling of like near realistic sex scenes with possibly two oh it was but it was getting banned in certain countries as well. Yeah, because having sex is with it's like how are you having regular sex with aliens? <laughs> With all your clothes on, yeah. Um, Avatar um, answered that question. The uh, what what I think was also good about your launch, uh, Keith, was is that it wasn't the end of, but it was in the murky time where stuff like where the publishers themselves basically almost got to fully control the perception of their game the whole time until it launched. Yeah. Because there wasn't there wasn't influencers like sure stuff could show up on YouTube and other things or whatever but that wasn't the main source of where people went they looked at what the publisher gave them they looked at magazines they looked at um, articles and stuff like that storefronts maybe a preview on game trailers what I was gonna say storefronts sometimes they just don't even know a game launched until it's yeah, at store, the store storefronts big billboards and and it was still it was before the concept of a We'll fix this in the day one patch. Yeah, was a mentality, and so they had to ship a gold like to go gold on the disc. You really meant it. Like this is supposed to be a fully playable. If you're, if you never touch the internet again or whatever, this game should be playable from start to finish, and how we want it. And so that was definitely in Mass Effect's favor and stuff like that. And that that actually um pertains to a, uh, one, a couple of the games on my list well, for I think launches. I think Mass Effect did have a patch, though. It was still available to be connected to the internet and still have a patch. But I get what oh, you yeah, mean. No, no, no. But I get what you mean. I'm not saying... 
but they still had to account for some people might not be able to patch this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I yeah, totally whole, get what you mean. Whole game, whole game is on the disc and is playable. Yep, yeah, Un totally. Unlike Marvel's well, Midnight Sunstar, well, I was going to install the other day, and it was 400 kilobytes okay, on the disc. Hold, hold on, hold on. Like, to, to, to be frank, when a game goes gold, it is playable from start to finish. It will have issues, but it will be playable from start to finish. That is, it. There is. There should be nothing on something going gold. There should be. I can't guarantee everything, but and, and that's the same thing for when you patch something. But there should not be any game breaking bug that would stop you from hindering progress or moving forward in the game. You might have to do some workarounds of restarting checkpoints or like closing the game yeah. and rebooting yeah. it again but you should not have something that completely breaks your game like that is what gold means nowadays so just just to be technical with you to be fair so you just there you go um would you would you guys mind indulging me slightly and i carry on and talk about a, a terrible launch from sure the same franchise wait hold on no 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 because i was gonna say right before we moved on being like are we gonna turn this into the mass effect show where you're gonna talk about great <laughs> launches and then horrible launches from mass effect no we're moving on to mine all right okay. you ready for this okay. which actually i'm funny uh, i i stefan brought this up which was kind of funny because this was my, my well this is gonna be my favorite launch and uh and that is halo 3 Ooh. i know i say an xbox game what Mitch? Yeah, but you were you, you were young and naive once. No, no, it's yeah. that Xbox was actually good then, <laughs> like right, and then they messed everything up as they've gone on, and now they continue to mess things up. And I feel well, I just want to say I, I I feel very very bad for those employees that lost their jobs. That's not that's not on them. Um, it's for the mismanagement of their studio, and they shouldn't have done that to to put them in that situation that could make them lose their jobs like that. So, so someone did the math, and ten thousand jobs is only is only actually about like four point seven or four point one seven percent of Microsoft employees. Like, yeah. and so if you see that number, you're like, oh, they had a a, a cut, like they cut four percent of their workforce. Oh man, uh, that's understandable. And then you're like, holy shit. 10,000 people is 4% of your workforce? Yeah. And then if you think about it too, it's like they're trying to make an acquisition that is in the billions of dollars. And to that point, if they're trying to make an acquisition, they have the money to keep these employees. So, or yeah, or, this, or, this, or find a or sorry, or find a way to move them about the company to be able to have them have sustained work. Well, this is but, this is where um Bobby Kotick uh, seemingly makes his money. Uh, well, actually, he does make his money because he'd rather lay off 400 people and go on a shareholder call and say, we're doing something to um, protect business against external forces or some other corporate bullshit. Yeah. Um, to ensure that he gets um, his bonus because his bonus will be linked to shareholder dividends or, um, or game performance. And if you can sack 400 or 10,000 people to protect um, your share price, um, it is your fiduciary duty, which I hate. I loathe fiduciary duty. I think it's an obscene piece of legislation um, um, to do so. And I feel absolutely dreadful for all those people who work so bloody hard, um, well, and, I'm assuming. And, and I'll add like the final thing for this before I move on to actually my favorite launch uh, is this is what happens when companies are, companies are allowed to, you know, 
get these get get this money from the government and then what they do is they inflate their stock price because that's not the real value of their company and then they overhire and then they can then they can't sustain it because they're not gaining enough you know revenue to show that oh we're actually worth that and then they have to start cutting and it's just ridiculous but anyway fair and much halo no. 3 R- real quick just because like this is what i've been studying and working with for work and it's been a uh, really interesting seeing a lot of these companies and stuff like that because for work i actually had to read a book called good to great it's about companies who were good or had some struggles for about 15 years and then had over 15 years of wonderful like performance like beating like their metric was uh, beating the average stock uh market price by like three and a half times mm-hmm. and so that was the baseline anyway so but real quick for mark i'll, I'll send you a link to a book that i think you'll find interesting okay um but at least microsoft's severance package is one of the best i've seen but some of these well, but contractors don't get severance packages fair, and fair that, enough and that fair is enough. a vast majority yeah. of what they cut were contract workers okay and that's not contractors. fair yeah no no i i understand like just, just i still want to put it out there i know you what you mean no 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 yeah 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 I'm saying for those who were able to get it, it, yeah, it was like you have, you're still going to work for us for 60 days. And then after that, you have six months of severance and you still have stock for this company. So, but um, what I was getting at in in that case, I would say there was a, there was a phrase, it was from a 16th century, 16th century Spanish philosopher whose name I can't remember. Which is when one, when one is faced with a great injustice, one accepts a smaller one as a kindness. Yeah, but but I mean, here here here's I guess here's the question. Sure, like one could argue you have tons of cash, you could still keep these people. Um, but say in the long run, like I know a lot of them were contractors and stuff like that who did specific jobs. But when you are merging all these companies, like what do you do when you have high redundancy? Like, do you just suck it up and say, well, that's the cost? Like. And you never fire anyone? No, it's like it's that you do better with the risk that you made. You know, like if Halo was in development for this long, they should have had contingency plans for if this did not work out because the writing was on the wall. No offense. Like the game was fine, but not great. And the people that got cut were the single player people. They had to scrap the project multiple times. When you read the writing on the wall like that, they're like, maybe we should start working on another project and do pre-production on it and then move these people over for if this isn't successful. And then if it and then if they're if it is successful, they stay on the project. But then but then if is that basically what Naughty Dog did with those people that they were trying to keep keep on a hamster wheel on anything on the studio. Oh, no, no, no. For no, 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 no. What I'm saying is that publicly. They said, <laughs> we started, we put people on The Last of Us Part 1 remake because if we didn't, we wouldn't have had a, a job for them at the moment and would have had to let them go. It was It was a public statement. And so I, I don't if, re- if it's too compromising I, for you to comment, that's I've never read anything like that, so I'm just not going to comment. Okay. Just for, so okay. what, I, what I would say is I'm in, is on, the, on the very rare occasions where I vehemently agree with Mitch, this is one of them. <laughs> This is absolutely a failure of management, not a failure oh, of staff. Oh, no, ab- and the staff ab- no, are paying absolutely. the price for the failure of management. Because no, no, ab- it, when you absolutely. Act, you acquire a company, you should have a complete plan of how you're going to do things. And if if that if that and if you don't have success, you need to have backup plans. 
And and then if they don't work mm-hmm. out, then you need to let the employees know like, hey, your role will be terminated. And I think they should give them a, ter- a amount of time to let them know when their job will be terminated and not terminate it on the spot without telling them. That's the issue I have. Yeah. Oh, it's a- like, absolutely. absolutely. If I if you can, if you have to give a work a, a, a job a two weeks notice when you leave, they should do the common courtesy to let you know when they're going to cut your job. Yeah. And not do it. And, and, it's three months. So there you yeah. go. Yeah. Um, and, right. Um, Mitch, um, <laughs> as much as I would like to continue the conversation about business management, totally. and there is a there is a fascinating book called The Maverick about a Brazilian mine owner. Which it, I would suggest that everyone read the difference between his his approach to business and the the more American style um, version of capitalism. Mitch, tell us about Halo Three. Yes, back back to the the glory days. Uh, Halo back Three to the games. Halo Three was amazing for its campaign. I think it was. I think it is the best campaign you could ever do, with a combination of like marketing the game, but then also like finding ways to touch regular consumers. Like Halo 3 was something everyone knew and you didn't have to be a gamer. And that's when you hit up. That's when marketing is the best. I just remember like, you know, like even Stefan just mentioned like the the Believe campaign for that for that AR type game, but they also did like um not the Believe campaign. It was uh, it was called Iris. It's actually what it was called. But they had like Oh, I thought it was I Love Bees. Well, I uh, from the uh well Oh, I'm sorry. I love bees. Okay. I, I tried to look this up just to make for clarification. So actually, Iris was Halo 3. Halo 2 was I love bees. So the, okay. the same people that worked on I love bees worked on the Iris campaign for Halo 3. Okay. So thanks for thanks for having me double check that. Um, but yeah, they. I, I mean, they were everywhere. I mean, I remember constant commercials. I remember drinks like heck i got hooked on game field mountain dew because of freaking halo like halo was on that can and then the crazier part of that campaign was that the mountain dew was like half price when you bought game fuel and it's like then everyone's buying game fuel and buying more game fuel and then think of halo when you buy game fuel like whenever i say game fuel nowadays i think halo not mountain dew (laughs) you know um and i think they also did like live uh they had live um live action trailers for that for that game like it was just everywhere and then i remember the launch of itself like they had a, a telecast on i think it was like x play and they were outside in hollywood or wherever they were and there was like hundreds of people it was just it was one of the most insane campaigns of a launch of a game i've ever seen in my entire life and it was more of um oh what, what word i'm looking for it's like a zeitgeist and a culture type thing than more than just a game thing and i think they 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 were the one that did it that no other game has done before so far. I've never seen a campaign like that and be that successful. Even Cyberpunk, would, I don't think, has ever touched it. Oh, yeah. Would, to add you, to that. would you agree real quick Sorry. that at that time, like Halo 2, Halo 3, Halo was the Call of Duty? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. That, that's what my impression that's what my but impression think, was but i just wanted to confirm that that was that's what everyone else like that's what people when people thought of a mass market impact first person shooter that that it was halo that everyone thought of there yeah, was nothing else. but i would argue halo captured the market with its campaign better than call of duty ever did 
just Call of Duty has been so uh, so consistent throughout the generation since the through the generations that it's gotten its name through reputation rather than marketing. Yeah, and and uh, most people are jumping on. I mean, Halo too, but it was there or Halo as well that for two and three people definitely were as excited for the story as they were for the multiplayer slayer um throughout yeah. throughout the years whereas call of duty it's it's definitely focused on the multiplayer 100 percent. you were gonna say something Stephen? oh i was just gonna say like we mentioned the live action trailers like they were way ahead of their time with that like you see like how the the stuff for callisto protocol like now live action commercials like i don't think that would exist without halo uh, I, I would I disagree. I don't believe it would exist without the original Resident Evil. Did they they had that? Do you have you did you see the original the intro for the original Resident Evil is all live action? I don't I don't think any of them no, would I'm, exist if not for the original live action trailer for GTA three. That's true too. Yeah. Uh, I think any of this well, would exist if people didn't play ping pong and inspire some guy to <laughs> mess with an oscilloscope and Yeah, but I guess uh, I would say like just the quality of those, like, I think really inspired other developers or publishers to, to really up their game with it. Yeah. Um, like, the Halo teams even made some, not necessarily from a story perspective, but, like, they made, it like, I think, like, several TV shows before, like, the official one on Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> oh, we don't uh, talk about that one. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've never watched it. Oh, it's so bad. Uh, don't watch it. <laughs> Um, I heard. I heard it's good to watch, but if you watch it, ironically, um, if you watch it knowing that it's going to be shit, it's actually pretty good. But otherwise, don't. Yeah. Um, uh, but I will say, uh, so uh, Peter Moore, who is probably I would say the best um, head of Microsoft. Oh no, no. No, I was sorry. I was thinking Molyneux. Molyneux, yeah, yeah. Peter Moore is probably the best head of Microsoft they've ever had. Um, for ahead ahead of Xbox, technically, um, that they've ever had his 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 thing for the marketing team was said, "Don't screw it up," was the quote he used. And you know what? I don't think they screwed up a damn thing. That is probably one of the greatest campaigns that we will ever see in our lifetime. I don't think we could ever capture what they did again because it was the perfect blend of the internet coming up and like current days where like we would sit outside a store getting ready for a launch. And people would get in mass audiences together that it was like a perfect blend where I don't think we will ever hit that in games again because people are not going to go outside of uh, like like you did for Wind Waker. People aren't waiting outside of a store anymore to like get their thing at midnight. That's just not a thing anymore because we have online digital versions of games like this is this is the point where digital versions didn't exist. So you still had to go to the store. But yet the Internet was like so hyped about stuff. You could have videos that could go on the Internet and you could see and then still have massive TV commercials and toy products and all that kind of stuff. And I don't think there is a time in history we'll ever hit that again for marketing campaigns. So would it, would that have been a fifty dollar game or a sixty dollar game? That would have been a fifty dollar game. Fifty, because it was X, it was Xbox three sixty, I think. So yeah, it was a fifty dollar game. And then I, I wonder how how long after it released, it released Halo Three ODST because I remember ODST is um, actually well, it was going to be part of Halo Three, but not like it was meant to be the multiple. Uh, yeah, but I thought the campaign was really good though. 
Yeah, because it's called Halo, Halo 3. Halo 3 sold Halo 3 sold around six million copies the first week. And that was yep. back during a 360. And that is almost, I think, almost entirely a physical launch. Like, could you oh, no, even there buy was, There was no digital. Yet? There was no digital. Yeah, okay. yeah. And and then also that for clarification, their projection, they just wanted to sell 1.5. <laughs> and then um, Halo ODST came out in 2009. And then Halo 3 came out what year? I think 2006. That was a good launch. That was a good launch. Halo 3 came out 2007. So, but that, so that is, I think the greatest launch of any game could ever happen of all time. Personally that and a, personally and like, that's a pretty damn good launch. Uh, Mike's Q, what you got for me for greatest right. launch? I'm, I'm going to rapid fire uh, a couple for me and then I will end with a in between one because it'll be a nice bridge for, for bad launches. Um, for me, uh, because most, most of my early gaming career, I was always a hand-me-down gamer. My parents didn't like like video games, so I, I didn't get new stuff. I always got um, a generation or two generations uh, in the past. And so for me, the, the most memorable launch is for the Wii slash Twilight Princess because that was the first console that I myself saved up for and bought brand new, like it wasn't a hand-me-down from anyone and Twilight Princess. And also because it was the first Legend of Zelda or game like that, that I had not spent hours sitting on the couch next to my older cousin watching him play it. So having like a bunch of knowledge of a game before I play through it myself. Like I was, I we had like those two trailers like the for Twilight Princess and that was about it. And so that's all I knew about the game. And I'm like, it's good. Oh, it's, it's, it's great. And despite pe people saying, oh, later, like the GameCube version was better or stuff like that. For me, I was like, this is fantastic. And um, that game was also the favorite of my families be, uh, because my brothers and sisters would come down and all sit on the couch behind me and watch me play through like all 50 hours or 54 hours it took for me to beat that game. And my younger sister, I, I remember. Just, I just had this 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 thought in my head of what people used to do. I'm going to the neighbor's house because they got a new wireless TV set. Um, that's not mildly xenophobic at all. Mommy, can I have um, a beer while I'm at it? <laughs> the uh, and it was one of the best compliments I ever got from my sister on this subject. She said, "Mikey, I love watching you play Legend of Zelda because." you almost never die. And so it's like watching, so it's like watching a, like a show or something. It's like, you're, you're good at the game. So I get to keep seeing new stuff instead of the same thing over and over. Um, so that was my personal favorite because I did do, um, uh, I pre-ordered it. And then my cousin and I waited at GameStop for the midnight launch. We, we got like number one and number two. And we took them home and played a couple of non-Zelda games, and then we're like, "All right, good seeing you. We got we got stuff to do." So we split and went home and uh, each our own homes and started playing Legend uh, Twilight Princess. And it was that was probably my favorite launch. Um, and then I, I this is something that n never used to happen in the UK at all. No, until until I don't know the last 
10 years maybe midnight launches were never a thing no one cared mm-hmm. um, Same. and actually thinking about it and thinking you guys are talking about some of your experiences of going to actually going to a store and queuing and um, being able to chat with other people there and everyone being excited about this thing does that build like Mitch was saying that kind of zeitgeist type element uh, type moment which I, I I don't know if it's just kind of a, a level of British reservedness that we never got into um, or if it was just like fuck it I'm not opening the store <laughs> there's no way you're getting me to work at midnight um, possibly it's because your whole culture has a a little bit of a um a pushback against queuing up because last time oh, no, they we were love doing that, queuing we love uh, queuing last time you were doing that in mass was it was getting ration coupons during World War Two yeah to oh get cans God. of spam from the U S which um thank you very much for all of those cans of spam um, well I would say Keith I was gonna say Keith maybe the reason why it wasn't that way was because like GameStop it was such a pinnacle and GameStop probably was required from the publishers to release the games at midnight. And so like they just that's the deal they made. And that's what I'm getting on about this. I don't think there were those kinds of deals done with mm-hmm. stores here. Um where there wouldn't there wouldn't be kind of the paid build up towards that kind of midnight release and kind of the the, the Actually, I want to look um, up what was the first midnight release. Like, what game? Uh, I want to add, like, I think sure. Twilight Princess had the added bonus of the the E3 showing. Mm-hmm. That reveal for it yep. was insane. <clears throat> like, there were yep. journalists that, like, were literally crying when they watched yep. the trailer, which... Yeah. And I was going to ask, like, uh, did you ever play the, um, the version of that game without motion controls? Um, I actually did not. I actually did not play the, uh, may- maybe I tried somewhere else, like someone, the, uh, I tried the, the GameCube version with the, uh, traditional Southpaw orientation. I may have played it like, I don't know, 20 minutes or something. I'm like, yeah. oh, like, this I is did, fine. This is fun. I so, did the Wii version and, and then I did the remaster and I could not get, uh, the extra arrow bundle on that, that river thing. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, it was yeah. so hard without aiming <laughs> with, with my hand. With that, the um, no, I I do remember that. But uh, going back to what you were saying about the E three presence, that also because it they released so little media, but what little media they released was so good. I remember my friend at college burned me a mini disc with the with that first trailer on it. With that first. Yeah trailer for twilight princess um back like when it was still like in people's systems like wind waker 2 definitely was not wind waker 2 um and so i had that disc and i like would pop it in like maybe every month or so or whatever and just watch that trailer because it was so good and it was like oh like when's this game coming out and so the the positive hype build for that and then the payoff to me was the best i've i've had in a game and there's all sorts of Actors like my age, first console, things like that, that contributed goes, to that. It goes full circle back to what I was talking about before with that one demo, which I just remember the name of it. It was Space World. Um, and I think it was Space, that's what they called it. I might be wrong, but like that initial demo that they showed before um, uh, Wind Waker was very reminiscent of Twilight Princess. So when people 
saw the E3 thing, they're like, oh, this, this is what the thing we really wanted from a Zelda game. And that yeah. really... Twilight, Twilight oh. Princess, that, like, that was the true one. That, that Wind Waker thing was just a yeah. side project or something. So that was my absolute favorite. And then my two runner-ups were the Dark Souls 2 and the Bloodborne um, releases because those were the one of like only two or three times I did midnight releases, got the games, took off work, and my good friend Talon came over to my room and we set up two TVs next to each other. And so we both played the game from launch for like six hours, then got some sleep, then woke up and continued play playing both those games together because we were both so like in invested in those games and just having that camaraderie of those games uh, release at that time. Those are two runner-up special memories for me for game launches. It seems so like all of you have better friends than I did. Um, that's I don't, that's, 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 obvi that's obviously that's not a reflection on me. Yeah. Um, and then it's not true, Keith. We would have been great friends if we lived in the same area. Here, here, here's the media, the me mediocre launch that actually the launch itself was so mediocre it caused me to not buy the game. Wait, is this then, your bad one? No, it's no, not this bad. This is the medium uh, one. Uh, gotcha. Okay. Was was all the build up for Mirror's Edge? Mm. Okay, I get you. Mirror's Edge. No, no. He, no, no, no. I'm saying. I'm saying this is my personal experience with it. True. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't. First, I don't doubt it. It's, it's not the first trailer for Mirror's Edge to me was like, this game is so different and beautiful and looks so amazing and like, oh my gosh, all the stuff you're able to do, and like, I actually had on pre-order like the two hundred dollar Mirror's Edge collectible edition with the satchel and like all that stuff like that, and then as it got closer and closer sort of launch seeing some different stuff like i'm like oh me me oh like is this going to live up to my expectations I, I am i do i want to spend 200 or 300 dollars on this, this game like uh, uh uh and then i'm like no i'll cancel the 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 collector's edition and then i'm like do you have any other uh pre-orders for the regular edition they're like actually we don't so i'm like oh okay all right i'll just get it after it launches and then the reviews come out, and it's like, oh, it's a 7.5 or something like that. And I'm like, ah. Oh, oh. And then I never bought it at launch. And that's a, have, you that's a, to, have you tried to play it on Game Pass since? Because I tried. Not on Game Pass. Not, not on Game Pass. I played it uh, several years ago, and I was like, okay. this is still pretty, like, it's pretty good. It definitely is not what I personally built it up to be. Yeah, because I don't, know, I, don't know, I never looked up how long it takes to, to complete that game, but I was about two hours in and thought, well, I can't bear another however many hours of this. I think it's a 12 to 15 hour game, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I was it's never going to play that much. No, I thought it was only seven. I thought it was very short. Oh, may, Five to may, seven maybe hours. It is. I thought it was Even very... so, that's still three times longer than Keith wanted to well, continue to playing. to be honest, like, uh, I, I agree with you, and I, I kind of, that, that was the one game where it's like, I think it just needed like two more years in the oven to be able to like it like the the gameplay is tight i just think mm -hmm. everything around it was a little sterile not sterile um just um early <laughs> like it's like oh we have all these ideas and we just don't have enough time to put it all together 
because yeah. I feel like they could have made something really great. I could imagine them doing like actually first person conversations instead of the yeah. comic book graphical stuff that they yeah. had to do in between yeah. levels. And like they, they really could have done something with it. And I think yeah. Catalyst was just too late to like yeah. it, the, way uh, too late. So. Also was one, of, was one of the games where the, uh, you know how we have like, you know, uh, shoot, what's, what's the NVIDIA's big thing that are like ray tracing and stuff like that. Everyone's like, Oh, this is amazing. But one of the predecessors to that physics, do you remember physics? I don't. Okay. I've heard but it, it, yeah. it, it was a proprietary technology that could be found on different cards. The difference of, of playing mirror's edge with, with physics and without is that like all the tarps and stuff would actually realistically blow in the wind and things like that. And it looks substantially different and more real with a physics card and oh, obviously i couldn't afford a pc uh with that type of equipment at the t time but i was just like oh man the difference between the pc version and the plebeian pc version and uh or the console version is just so astounding man i must maybe there's something about this pc gaming or, or whatever but um i have a question about the trailer for you didn't it from my if i remember right didn't it show her like kicking guns out of people's hands and actually like using them yeah yeah and then they got rid of the they got the rid shooting. shooting of the so gun shoot. but you still can kick them out of their hands yeah did the second game have that i don't know i don't i don't I remember didn't, i didn't i didn't, I didn't follow catalyst very closely no i didn't either um but to my family that that trailer was well regarded the first trailer to the point where my brother made some parkour videos with <laughs> that trailer music in the background nice um, back in around whenever that launched for the record apparently when i look up online it says the first midnight launch was sonic the hedgehog 2 back in 1992 i don't know if that's legit or not so if that's just what it says keith give me your uh horrible um <laughs> mass effect um horrible launch of <laughs> actually I've, I've got the these two are intertwined so it's mass effect andromeda and cyberpunk 2077 Okay, someone took Cyberpunk. I was wondering if someone's going to take it. I have a list, and I'm just waiting for you all to take it off my list so I don't have to call it out. So, I'll definitely take it on. So the reason that I'll, I'll talk about Cyberpunk because I really want to talk about EA as my worst publisher for launching games. Mm, yeah, because there's Anthem too. Anthem's on their list. But it's not just that. They've, they've got a litany of... Oh, knowing you, um, you probably have the full list ready to go. Good word. They, they've got a litany of fucked up launches um, and um, Mass Effect Andromeda just being one of them. But for, for the love of God, the, the level of besotted fandom that came out about Cyberpunk 2077, it, it, and people still don't, that, that, is a, that, is a life, that should be a lifelong lesson to every single person who plays video games to, to never trust what a developer tells you. I was telling you, I, I, I was, I was drumming the, I was drumming the, the drum all day long. Beating you, the drum. You knew, you knew you, I was beating drumming that the drum. drum. Yep. I was drumming that drum. Um, <laughs> I was uh, saying, I don't was, listen to them. It's unbelievable. It doesn't sound like it's a legit game. It sounds like it's something that could be made two generations from now. It sounds unrealistic, unexpectations. <laughs> um, but everyone was so on board with this, mm -hmm. and I don't. I, one, I don't know why. I don't know why there was such disdain and ire for anyone who dared to oh. even question anything they were talking about. I know why, Keith. You want to know? 
the the reason why, well, they, why? The, the reason why they were so on gun ho about this thing and didn't want to pop off the bandwagon because they wanted it to happen so badly they they wish this would really happen like they wish this was games what they the, the perfect game they always wanted a cyberpunk game that has all this stuff that they're talking about that's their dream game and like if you try to take that away from a gamer what do you get yeah, um, CD Projekt Red are brilliant at building hype and, and brilliant at building resentment against that hype. Um, they're also uh, all all of the stuff that they showed. You could tell were was so highly scripted. It was pristine in their presentation, but so controlled, so highly scripted that um, I I got into a sense of um, disbelief quite quickly. It's like yes, yes, I want to see what you're showing, but I'm not going to believe it until the game actually comes out. And um, I remember on a on a version of this show back before it launched, Matt and I had a discussion and said, if this game launches well, this could be the game that I play for the rest of the year because you're giving me three different classes with potentially three different, completely different storylines. Um, Are you talking about the backgrounds? the backgrounds yeah. and then the choices that you can make within that um but that wasn't the case so all of the stories converged no matter what background you pick and i can understand the the basis for doing that what i don't understand is how the fuck did this game still sell so many copies even though it launched absolutely broken i think um did i people think i think just part... no... well i think part of your reason is just they they, they realized i bought this game Many people didn't know you could return the game because it was only on gaming publishers. I don't remember regular TV announcers being like, hey, there's a bad launch of this game, like a recall. <laughs> like they're usually on TV yeah. in the States. You could be like, hey, you could re uh, there's a recalled product. Make sure you like call the manufacturer. Yeah, Someone some put arsenic in your milk. Please yeah. don't. Please it's, return yeah. your milk. Yeah, um, they didn't do that for cyberpunk at all. So like I, I could see why that maybe the people that bought it just thought, oh, well, it's a broken game because like I have yeah. a client. That's I, I bought it. I, I bought into the hype. I, mean, I didn't think it was going you're to You're part be, of the problem, Mikey. I, I am I, part of the problem. But I, like, CD Projekt Red. I bought it for the dumpster fire it was. I wanted to see it. <laughs> you still bought it. But I, I, so, but I will say to, to like my comment of like people buying it and then not realizing they can return it. I had a former client who bought it for their loved one. Didn't know it was a piece of crap of a game. And then I had to tell them, you should probably return this because, like, they have they don't have a PS5. <laughs> they have a PS4. This isn't really going to work for them. And they're like, really? Well, why would they sell it? Yeah. Because they want it, the moolah. It should, um, it, should ne it should never have come out on previous gen. The the reason that I, I bring, them, bring that and Mass Effect Andromeda up together is because there were the same number of people is that i'm um uh i'm making making this up for emphasis point um there were as many people in the ea influencer community happy more than happy to shit on mass effect andromeda for all the bugs and you know, like visual glitches and things like that animation oddities of people's facial animations there were as many people quick to defend all of the stuff that was going absolutely batshit crazy in Cyberpunk 2077. It was like, you've got characters on, on motorcycles T-posing. Oh, no, that's fine. Uh, it's a feature. 
Yeah, it's a feature. Uh, don't know. You can't say anything about this game. They're trying. The the ambition of this game is beyond anything your your tiny imagination can comprehend. It's fuck off. They launched the game broken, and then they they didn't want to admit it initially, and then eventually they had to, and then eventually they had to backtrack and say we're sorry, and then eventually they've had to drop a load of features that they wanted to put in because they've had to patch it so much. Um, it, no other launch of a triple A game has had two um, platform holders pull it from their store. Yeah, it was delisted, right? Yeah. It was delisted by PlayStation first and then Xbox followed. And, See, then, Xbox put, and then Xbox put it back first and PlayStation said, no, we're going to hang on a bit. <laughs> I'm shocked. I'm shocked once they delisted it from the store that they didn't ask for retailers to remove it from shelves. So well, in regards because... to regards to that version of the game, not the PS5 version. Oh, oh, the... you mean you mean please remove PS4 versions from your? Okay, I was yeah, going to say like, like we we, we removed it from our, like that, we, whatever to remove their blah, like blah, blah. we removed it from our online store. This is a defective product currently. Please put this product on hold in the back shelves until we approve it to be resold again. I don't know if because them and there might be a rule where the manufacturer like where like something like Target it's like well we bought it like we already paid your wholesale already price paid for, your it, money for it so we have to try to sell this thing while it's here and then that's just unfortunate. And the thing yeah, was, I, as much as I would like to shit on Bethesda because um, I I I know Starfield is Mitch's least anticipated game of this year is one of my more anticipated I wouldn't say it was most by any stretch of the imagination but Bethesda are historically bad at lying to your customers and then delivering less than what you said and then mm -hmm. delivering a product that is less than what you said even though the you the product is less than what you said you said with plenty of features built in yeah <laughs> um, um I, also keith nothing, sorry nothing. you also yes i also add to my title least anticipated um least anticipated game to stream for x amount of hours due to burkoff playing final fantasy 7 integrate um but I can't think of an I can't think of an example where um, Bethesda launched the game that was as busted as Cyberpunk, and they spouted more bullshit than CD Projekt Red's executives and their PR wing and all of the people online who were willing to take all of their PR money, the AR money, and um, and for me, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven is the worst video game launch of all time to date and probably a life lesson for every single um, video game producer and developer to say this is what you do not do yeah. well actually I, people would say maybe not because now they apparently have earned back their good gracious because they announced oh, more games but the launch no no the launch piss off no, no the game might be in a decent state but the launch itself was absolutely abysmal and should not have happened when it did under the circumstances it did the only one I think that comes close, but kind of people, people had and it kind of knew what was going on, but it still happened anyway. Was Fallout seventy six? Mm, I got another one for you, but we're not we're not on me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have one too, and it's not as technically bad as his, but it's I'm bringing up ones that I was personally involved in. I guess so. I guess I'll go. I just mine's No Man's Sky. Oh, you you took mine. It's, yeah. it's 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 if there's a second place to this utter disaster game pulled from a store 
No Man's Sky is pretty damn close. Doesn't mean the game turned itself around, just like Cyberpunk has patched itself to be playable on current gen, not last gen, though. Yeah. Screw the last gen. <laughs> we gave you something. It just doesn't work. Sorry. Enjoy. Um, What's funny is that I specifically didn't bring this one because I was in the same boat as Matt that I got what I wanted out of that game for like 60 hours. But you got was... on launch, though? Yeah. No, I bought it day one. Day oh, one for God. PC. Okay. Like I, that, That's, I, what, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm like, it. no, no, I didn't hate it. Like, I enjoyed my time with it. I absolutely respect and understand every single criticism every person gave about it but i was like i don't know why but, but you don't this... feel like you were lied to like i guess i, I oh. step in you can take this one because i'm gonna I'm, i'll do another one i got another one on my list so go ahead and yeah do you do spiel your thing oh no no yeah. I, I definitely i definitely feel uh if not straight up lied to it was like here is the minimal legal percentage that uh, not gonna sue that, me for <laughs> well no no like that like that was included to say yes there is end game yes there is sean murray is the new Peter um i'm curious if people will believe him on this next title that's how much i that's I'm curious people are, people are going to be super skeptical yeah like who uh, peter molyneux or or uh what sean murray sean murray <laughs> But I think I yeah. think they'll, I think he's earned some good faith though. But go ahead. Oh then. no, he's like really, this is really funny. It's like, uh, Stefan, you talk, and then Mikey yeah, and I know. talk for about two minutes. I was gonna say after No Man's Sky, I didn't. I don't think I pre-ordered a game for like two years, three years. <laughs> How long it's been out now? That's serious like, personal yeah. trauma, there, man. <laughs> yeah, because I mean I don't mean like these type of games that much, but like the, the game looked really really good, and like the amount of stuff you could do in it and i i started playing a game I, i'm like i can't do any of this it, like uh, i felt like they did lie especially about like the people you could interact with in the world and when you when you actually come across them they don't they like really flat and it's like i didn't even get to that point because the game sucked <laughs> i wasn't yeah. willing to put that much time into it at like the i guess the one parting or saving grace i would say is like yes i would agree that sean murray and whatever the the game company did have some some yarns that they were were spinning about stuff in a very peter molyneux way of like this was our goal like this is but it wasn't clear like this isn't really fully fleshed out for the launch game i think part of it was is that sean murray never meant himself to be a public persona like I'm like I'm a shy guy like working on this game I really like and I think he was forced into or got swept along in Sony's need for a unique uh selling proposition and a unique uh console exclusive. No, to, well, uh, but no no no, that's not how the deals work though. The deals work as in the publishers are the developers are making something and then so and mm -hmm. then then game publishers yeah. choose to not publish the title or then say oh we'll just sign it to an exclusive contract we like what you're doing i don't think there's ever pressure from a there's never there's usually never pressure from a publisher to say like oh you need to form your game like this especially an indie oh, publisher yeah, yeah. No, because no, no, that's no, their no, thing no, I, like so, well, what other, i meant is that other... that sony uh i don't think people would have been as mad about it if it hadn't been as marketed so heavily by Sony, like to 
because everyone's but like they're believing what, what the, 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 the yeah the, 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 yeah no 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 he, it's it's mostly it's mostly on sean murray and stuff like that i mean like, he's showing he off a demo to show off like what the game is doing like there's only yeah. so much that like basically no, he's I, holding I back from the publisher and then that's not fair yeah. i yeah I, I i just didn't think it was quite as bad as uh what cyberpunk was oh and, for sure <laughs> yeah i think we all so. agree cyberpunk is on the list of worst but and and like and and I like abstain myself from like the uh, the No Man's Sky because I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, I got lied to or whatever, but for whatever reason, I I enjoyed my time with this game for over sixty hours. I have no regrets, but I understand one hundred percent everyone who does. But we don't care about your feelings. We care about Stefan's feelings, and Stefan needs to interrupt yeah. us more when it's his it's yeah. when it's his 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 one. Sorry. Sorry. Go for it, Stefan. I mean, it's hard for me to really get into it because I played that game. Not very long because I hated it so much. Because <laughs> all, all the, all the stuff that, that I couldn't do. It's like like what's the one feature that they didn't give you that you were like expecting in the game? And you're just like son of a bitch. Like why why the hell did you say it was in this and I can't find it? I compartmentalize so much, but like <laughs> I I I think the, the online aspect of it, it did not feel like I could interact with people at all. Mm. This is the, what, what made you think this is why our ancestors threw tea in the sea, you British son of a bitch. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, the because the, they I made it say, like you yeah, have another one to, to run into real people. Well, oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, um, well, you, I, you can go because I do have another one that's a more interesting one. But because okay. if, 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 unless you, unless you wanted to keep No Man's Sky as your pick, <laughs> no, it's, it's fine because I mean, this other one's just as personal um but there's no there's no way no one will pick this oh one of my favorite jrpgs of all time is xenosaga um that's a poor man oh sorry you forgot to wait for matt to come on the show (laughs) i I know i am an outlier on that um i think it's really great but then so they did advertise the the sequel and they said you could order it with like a disc with all the cinematics and i was really excited for that because i, I love the cinematics in that game so i ordered it got the game opened it up and that disc did not come it like they butch they butchered that part of the launch and then the game itself sucked really really bad um i don't know if like i remember game informer gave like the first one like a 9.75 and then the, the second one this put in perspective and all other people uh a lot of people hate xenosaga but the second game most people gave it like a five or a six like it was that much of a difference is that xenosaga um, two or xeno gears xenosaga xenosaga one and two so like the okay. first one i absolutely loved and then the second one was just just a travesty um a lot of the voice actors changed and then the cinematics were broken up like there would be like a maybe like a minute long cinematic and then you would walk literally like five literally five paces and then another cinematic would start up and it's like why why would you do that um well that's my experience with yakuza zero (laughs) (laughs) not yet all right you started did you start I've I've finished the first chapter and literally all all of the emotions that I had when it came have come flooding back. So, <laughs> why do you have a skippable a, a skippable 
skip-able cutscene, followed by text-based cutscene, followed by non-skippable cutscene, followed by skippable cutscene, followed by text-based cutscene, which you can't skip. Oh my god, whoever designed it's, it's that game charm. is an absolute evil it's bastard. The charm, man. Uh, it, 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 it ruins the pacing of it. it is, yeah. Uh, yeah. I wish it was all just cutscene. I agree. Um, I mean, because a lot of people don't like that the cutscenes in the first game were like, some of them were like 30 minutes. I mean, but I like, don't like Yakuza 0 personally. I like Kiwami, and I thought he would like Kiwami more, but Bat and Evan are more of a fan of 0 than I am. And um, you've got you've got the thing with uh, oh god is it Snake Eater, where the mm. the opening sequence Three, is that Bond song. Yeah, the um, yeah. Is hours, is how many hours of cutscene are in that game? Oh, four Bond four is longer. You don't four uh, Metal Gear Solid four is four has like a forty eight minute long or fifty seven minute long. Yeah, yeah they, I think they have a I think they have an hour and fifteen minute cutscene. I'm unconscious. We keep stepping on Stefan's. I'm so sorry. Uh, no man's sky. But like, <laughs> that's fine. Um, with this, we brought up the cinematics, and I like cinematics are long as long as they don't get in the way of gameplay mm-hmm. scenarios. And I, I thought Xenosaga did a good job of that, but the second one, the pacing was just really ruined. Um, and then the other thing is they they. At, they added um, a gameplay mechanic. So I don't know if any of you have played it, but you have to hit all the the X square triangle and circle buttons to note like a, a part of the body that you can hit of the enemies. And you have to figure out the combo for each enemy. And it just got and that was added to that game and the first game had a different mechanic and they added that to that and it just got way too complicated um every they made so many mistakes with that game that i just thought it was terrible hmm. that was my like my worst launch for that just from how much it ruined my first the first game uh, yeah well yeah because game publishers are notorious at doing that we'll be more on that later mike um mikey yes what is your worst video game launch experience diablo 3 Oh, I've oh, heard I've one. heard things. Yep, I've heard things. That's a good one. Diablo option, 3 was yeah. forced was, to be online, my, bitches. <laughs> yeah, my Diablo 3 was my personal worst uh game launch uh for a couple reasons. One, uh cuz all all of my friends had like raised Diablo 2 up on such a pillar and it was like, "Oh my goodness, like this is it. This is the next thing or whatever." And to be honest, I did enjoy my time at the beginning but a combination of forced always online like my my friend was uh my friend was uh staying at my parents house for a couple of months so he was in the room down the hall so we were trying to play together and um i like i occasionally would have um disconnects and they'd boot me out of the game I'm like why like like this is just a an action rpg where like if i'm playing solo why do i need to be always online and stuff like that and then another, we thought he was having even worse connection issues, which we found out wasn't uh, wasn't Blizzard's fault. He was on Wi-Fi, and every time the phone ring would ring because uh, the cordless phone was on the same mm, frequency as yeah. the Wi-Fi router, it would cut his internet out. So nice. we figured that one out. That one wasn't that one wasn't the wasn't uh, Blizzard's fault. But the always online was really bad. Like oh, also like ha- like it launched 
and then had to wait like eight to ten hours to actually play the game. So we didn't actually really get to start the game until, um, until uh, like kind of the next day. And we we went through it with a bunch of connection issues, and then the the whole atmosphere of the real world money auction house that was terrible was just really really bad for morale. Like, because part of it is like, oh, like well, someone's selling this weapon I could grind for for four hours, but they're selling it for four bucks. Okay, like 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 I could see the reason why. Like, you'd be like, oh, I'll just pay four bucks for something, and it like conceptually i was like oh you could trade with other people that's awesome and then the more and more we were into it it was just bad 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 and it was ended up being so bad that that was the first blizzard game i bought and it was the last blizzard game i have ever bought wait you you didn't stick around for like loop 2.0 or the expansion no no by the like by that point like i had kind of moved on like so i've never played reaper of souls i've never played stuff like that (sighs) You like you missed and, out no, a lot. No, I know they're good, but that was the impact that that bad launch had had on me. Is like, and I did not purchase any other Blizzard games after, like after that. And it's not me getting on the bag of like, oh, I knew they were crap then. It's like, no, it was just like, I had been Blizzard had been lorded so much by all my friends as being an amazing company and doing amazing games, and uh, this was supposed to be like, ah, oh, and. And it ended up not being, and so, like that was a very disappointing, uh, very disappointing uh, experience for me. Also, because it felt like to me, especially when later they released Diablo three for consoles, and everyone absolutely loved it and stuff like that. I'm like, you sons of bo's were just using the PC version of Diablo three as a beta for as a beta for the console versions. Like I, I felt betrayed twice over with Dude, it. how do you and think, so... P, how, how do you think P, yes, PC games are made from console games? You, you gotta start somewhere. But I mean, like, you know, nowadays it'll be like on PC console, blah, blah, stuff like that. But so people who played it on console got like a perfectly good experience. <laughs> and the people who, who played it on, because that was a game that was like, no, this is a mouse and keyboard game. You don't play this on a controller. Because yeah. um, the, the thing about the controller that, thing is it added the role. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that was my personal worst uh, worst launch because um, that was the one that I had, I had so much build up from myself and my friends and it just ate it. Ugh, ugh. Bad to, taste. Add to, the, to add to your auction house thing, it wasn't just the morale thing I, mm-hmm. I think for like money purposes but like the way loot dropped and progression was inherently designed based off like their plans for the auction house so like it totally ruined progression um yeah. it was bad um i have no experience with this stuff so i can't comment but I'll all right, I'll move. We can move on. But Keith is gone. So what I'll do is I got two honorable mentions for you guys. You ready for this? I'm taking this to a whole nother realm. We've talked about games that just are bad in regards to the game functioning. Now I'm talking about a bad just release choice. This goes to the Horizon franchise. 
Because every single time Horizon has released, it has been within a two-week window of the Game of the Year winner. Did uh, Breath of the Wild win that year? Yeah, it did. It's like, what a terrible time to release a game, unfortunately. In front of uh, two weeks before Breath of the Wild for Horizon 1, and then for Horizon 2, two weeks uh, before Elden Ring. (laughs) Yep. Do you think if it came out at a different time, um, how do you think that would have affected people's perception perception of that game? I think um, in my mind... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in my mind... Horizon Forbidden West would always have. Um... Oh, Keith, were you, were you able to listen while you were gone or no? No. Okay, so I just said uh, I'm doing honorable mentions really quick, and one of them while you were gone, when one of them is uh, worst game launches, not because the game was bad, but because when it was released, Horizon Forbidden Horizon franchise. It's been two weeks into Horizon franchise. Yeah, Horizon franchise because yeah. two weeks into after yeah. it gets released, it always gets beat by the game the game of the year winner <laughs> but, but to answer your um, question, but anyways to answer on, the question like um yeah. uh i think for the first one yes for the second one no i think for the first one it personally for me it was better than breath of the wild ever was oh i agree hands down I agree. and i think just it got lost in the zeitgeist mm-hmm. of the new switch and along with it's a new zelda game oh it's open world but i think if they played horizon after not before but after that and it would have been like a couple months or six months after where the people kind of dwindle down a little bit after getting on the hype of it and just go wow this is way better than than uh breath of the wild was mechanically gameplay wise like all that kind of stuff they i think people would have had changed their minds a little bit on yeah if if it had had time to breathe either before or after it would have had more staying power in people's minds. It still might not have changed the ultimate game of the year outcome. True, but it, I think it would have it would have changed people's perceptions and memories of that game and that franchise. Because they're both similar games. Like they're open world. Yeah. They got a bow and arrow mechanic. Uh, like it's it, just, it was the year of the bow. I seriously, year. yeah. You it's can't, just, you can't I, float in um, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. You can um, in West. <laughs> The, uh, but, the wild, I know uh, it doesn't it doesn't matter for this, but like that was actually a very stacked month because I think three weeks before uh, the first Neo had come out, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so yeah, and it was so just a stacked had, month in general. It was crazy. It was, it was a, a stacked, stacked couple stacked months. Month. It should have. Um, oh, yeah, go ahead. I don't. I don't want to tread on people's thoughts, but I'm conscious of time, and I want to get onto what I think might be a quite interesting discussion. That's why I just threw Sweet. in the nom until you got back. So you're good. Go for it. Um, so I am going to nominate a uh, publisher who I believe gets video game launches right, and then I'm going to shit on EA. I, I'm not going to fight you on shitting on EA. I will vote with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so th- Mitch will appreciate this one, and because um, I'm going to talk about Capcom. Hey, and, that's not bad. Oh, uh, well, um, mm, mm, so we got Street so Fighter. We got Street Fighter. Particular- so I'd say Street Fighter Five was a blip, but in okay. their in say the last few years, how they've handled mainly the Resident Evil franchise has mm-hmm. been impeccable, for want of a better word. 
I mean, um, six launched fine. It just people didn't like the the game itself had problems. But the I'm, launch was I'm fine. thinking of I'm thinking of more recently. So I'd say from seven onwards, mm -hmm. how they've handled seven village the remakes um, has been Hunter. yeah has been pretty brilliant. So barring Street Fighter Five as a blip, I'd say Capcom have done a really good job of providing information that people have wanted to see, get people interested in the game, and then release a good game. Um, so from me, uh, I would I would think that would be somewhat of a surprise, knowing how I feel about Japanese developers uh, and Japanese-made games. But I, I genuinely think with specifically the the resident evil franchise capcom have done an absolutely brilliant job of building up to and then releasing um and releasing those games i would agree with you i also would say um i would argue that the um resident evil 7 reveal was probably one of the best reveals in all the video games as regards to like no one knew it was coming no one thought that was that it was that game. Everyone thought it was, it was first person. Yeah, it was first person. It was based off a of VR experience that uh, that the press and, and people got to experience six months earlier. Is that the kitchen? Correct. It was called the kitchen, and it was just this VR game that people were playing, and no one knew what it was. And then they were like, "Oh, this is the kitchen." Like when they said before kitchen, they're like, "Oh yeah, it's that VR game I was playing." I was like, "Oh, it's super scary and stuff." And then you just get through all this stuff, and all of a sudden you find out it's Resident Evil, and you're like. That's Resident Evil? That's what? That's that's legitimately Resident Evil? And it's like, I've never seen such hype around. I mean, I like don't get gassed about trailers, but I, I do recall sitting on my couch and I saw it was Resident Evil and I stood up and I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. That's Resident Evil. And I was saying as I was watching it being like, this game might be too scary. I might not play it. And then I was like, I have to play it. It's fucking Resident Evil. <laughs> so I know Resident Evil is your favorite franchise of all time. Yes. Um, and but Resident Evil Seven, the way that that was released, okay, I wasn't, I was never going to pay for it. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, then I saw it was on Game Pass. I added it to my library, and then before I got around to playing, it's now left. And I, I mm. genuinely feel a bit gutted that I didn't play it um, because I, I, I have no affinity or historical. Um, uh, relationship with the Resident Evil franchise whatsoever, but seeing that presentation made me want to give that franchise a go. Um, and then, I mean, I'll admit to seeing, you the uh... seeing what they've done with the 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 remakes. If if they ever appear on Game Pass, I might even give those a go. Well, I'll but... admit to you, like Seven is not really that good. In hindsight, it's not really that good. It's actually but one arguing. of my least. It's one of my least favorites, actually. And I don't, an eight's mid tier to me, but I do like the direction they're going with the remakes more. I rather, I rather them make a a new game from the remake style than to make another Resident Evil Nine based off eight. Yeah, well, eight was Village um, wasn't even supposed to be eight at first, from what I remember. It was supposed to be like um, revelations, like like a revelations type game, and they're like they were so impressed with it. That they're like, oh, that's this should be eight. Let's make it mainline. Should should have yeah. should have remained revelations. I mean, I liked I, I liked some of the stuff they did with it. Like the characters are pretty cool and stuff. But the the, the Capcom blip was at least two games long. Uh, SF five as well as uh, Marvel versus Capcom Infinite, 
also yes yeah that one didn't go over well but they also had devil may cry in that mix too devil may cry 5 was pretty 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 hot release on that one too yep i know people have problems with it or whatever but it's still pretty well regarded and uh, it's, was, it's from people was... from people who i've listened to um who've played um devil may cry 5 they they notice the flaws where people point them out but don't vehemently hate them like some people do i mean i would say i'm not um, i'm not a huge action game player like i do pretty good with them like i'm not like one of those that will like triple s everything but i thought it was there was plenty of variety to like make a a casual player feel confident to play the game and like do well while having enough depth to be able to do it. I mean, I reviewed it for my old channel, and like that's actually mm-hmm. one of my most watched videos is my my review and non and and then spoiler review for that game. And I like, I'm shocked that that is one of my most watched videos. What uh, DMC five? Mm-hmm. The uh, was was it DMC Devil May Cry four then five or was DMC between four and five? DMC is a spinoff. It's not even. I it's know. Not, yeah, I know. Oh, I know, you mean release? Oh, it was for DMC five. Gotcha. Yeah, I've, I've this, always preferred preferred DMC over all the other ones just because be honest, I felt like honest, it was more accessible. Yeah, to be honest, so, me too. Because I wasn't a big D- DMC guy. I really enjoyed, yeah. or I, I Devil May Cry in general. I actually really enjoyed DMC, and yeah. the the core people are like, "Oh, this is garbage." I'm like, "I like it." Yeah, I, I, I can see how DMC is way more accessible, especially with the art style. Like, things stand out a little bit better. The colors are really there for people. Um, it's I, easier, too. It I is think. easier game. I think um, I think they definitely have opportunities for, like, if they made five into another game and, like, did that same style, they definitely could make that easily way more accessible. Like, it's, it's very simple for them to tackle that solution. It's not a, it's not a, has it been done before, extreme challenge of a problem. Real quick, is Bioshock Infinite considered to have a bad launch? Mm. Or is it just, because, I mean, I know Well, we got people... shit on EA. Okay. That's a good question, but, but we need to shit on EA. But before I do that, has anyone got any... Um, any examples of kind of publisher wide um who f- you feel like they genuinely gen generally genuinely 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 uh, genuinely and generally i mix those two words up for a second um i would say nintendo and sony they're solid like, their, their losses yeah. are generous they solid. don't mess they um, don't mess up well, uh, well yeah, i say bad sky and yacht club games bad bad one microsoft <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't say they're as bad as EA, but they're getting there. They're bad. Like, is Yacht Club the one that that, Shovel Knight uh, did? Yeah. So, like, I know for a fact, Mina the Howler is gonna be like an amazing game. Just just them, it's gonna. Yeah, they generally do well. Um, as far as overall good launches, like, and not a publisher that just has one game or two games. Um. Would you say 2K in their core stuff generally has pretty good launches, or like, or is that only really since? Uh, is that really only? I'd say since, 2K no. are quite sorry, sorry, one rock, of the rock, most rock, scumbagish, sorry, no, no, money rock, hungry rock, companies on the planet. Rock, so I can't possibly agree with. No, no, but I mean, like, they launch well. I'm not saying they're well, a good company. Do they launch well? Because I don't, I, I don't play any Rockstar games. I don't think. Like, well, I think, I think 2K launches well. 
They don't. I don't see any glaring issues with their launches, comparative to like other you know, than the predatory monetary tactics that they yes. include in all of their games. Yes, but like launch, oh, yeah, and they don't run in. Launch. Sorry, I I was forgetting that two K is also like NBA two K and stuff crap like that. I I forget that that's them. So but I was at thinking least, yeah, Rockstar. The, the game with where the actual State Farm guy is in the actual game <laughs> doing an actual ad for State Farm insurance. Sorry, Stefan, you said something. We missed it because oh, we were all talking. I, I was being sarcastic. I said, uh, how did their table tennis game launch? <laughs> Sick burn. Oh, um, uh, Stefan, if you want to pull your mic closer to you, I think we'll be able to hear you a lot better with more okay. volume. Yeah. Oh, here, here's a company that when they do launch something, um, generally it is well received and launches well, was Valve. When Valve used to make games, they <laughs> they had good launches. Uh, how about the orange box on console? Yeah, uh, was that was that was that a problem? Oh, PS3, it was like almost unplayable. I heard. Oh, okay, sorry. I bought it, it on. And it, that, it would, that made Gabe great on that, Xbox. that made PlayStation pull Gabe Newell back on stage and say, "I'll play, I'll make in a game. I'll make Portal Two for PlayStation Three, and it'll run great because he shit it on PlayStation." I remember, I remember that like moment okay. he came on all stage. Right. I was like, "What?" The, I, did, who the I didn't fuck remember is this the guy? console launch because the <laughs> Valve games to me were all PC games, so I didn't pay any attention to. I the mean, console for versions. the most part, yeah, it was just that one launch. I think that, that shit the bed. <laughs> it's, it's, can, can, are Valve even? Can you even class Valve? I don't as a count them. Not, not now. Either. Not, not they're, now. They're, but a, like, they're a reseller. Previously. They're a sales site. That's all they are. Well, they Stephen, are now. I'm saying back when they made games. A, a publishing company. Well, the THQ did a what's the recent game that bombed really hard? Um, Bio Mutant. Uh, did no. I? Uh, um, did did they do? Uh, it's like the GTA clone. Oh, Saints Row. No, that's not them. Yeah, that wasn't oh, Nordic. I thought it was. No, and um, that that one was who did a. Saints Row. I was going to bring up THQ Nordic because I, I, I like to follow them because they release a lot of old game things you wouldn't expect, but a lot of times they don't do really well. It's such a wide net, but how do you guys feel about Square Enix? Deep Silver. Yeah, Deep Silver is their developer, but I don't think that's the publisher. Yeah. It says THQ, oh, it's but it's not THQ. So, so it's, that's why. It's Embracer Group. Oh, it's Embracer Group. That's why. Which owns which owns THQ? Gotcha. I know it's such a wide net with the mobile and little Wait, games. Wait, they own THQ games. Nordic? Yeah, because they're no and longer called does, T yeah. or did they rename themselves again back to THQ? Because they used to be called THQ Nordic. I thought they were a part of it. No, because THQ got broken up, and then like yeah. some of the subsidiaries yeah. got bought, and then another company was made called THQ, THQ Nordic. Nordic. Is definitely a separate company. Okay, okay. gotcha. Okay, that's interesting. Um. My question was, uh, I know it's a wide net with a bunch of like little games and medium games and big games, but overall, how do you feel uh, Square Enix does with their launches? Mediocre. Because they, they put their expectations way too high. I'd say medium. They, they meet, well, recently they've been kicking ass, but I would say medium. Uh, I would say until the, they take their emphasis away from play to earn and NFTs, Square Enix can fuck off. That's just a personal opinion. Um, I got one final good one, and then we can shit on the, the worst one. Um, <laughs> uh, so my final good one, I would say, 
Lucasfilm. I mean, LucasArts. That's a great pick. Back, LucasArts back made day, solid but... titles and always had great yeah. releases. So yeah, I remember my dad playing yep. Full Throttle because he's a he's a Harley guy. So he definitely played Full Throttle when I was a kid, and I remember seeing it him play all the I've time. I've got the platinum trophy in that game. I love that game. I they, they, they li- got they stuck. Out, right? <laughs> what? Yeah. They licensed out. To, they licensed out all the different developers, didn't they? I, yes. No. Well, they, so they did at the time. They licensed. They had um, sometimes they had some some stuff that they did in house. Some stuff they licensed out. Because um, I think Full Throttle was made in house. Yep, that was made in house. Okay. But then um, Monkey Island wasn't. They outsourced that. Yep. Old old school Sierra would be in that boat too. Because I was gonna say that's. Um, it's kind of a bridge to what you want to shit on too, but like giving um, before with, with LucasArts, a lot, a lot of different developers could have done like a Star Wars game, but then now EA can only do, or for a long time, only EA could do a Star Wars game. And they did and, too. Yep. <laughs> and that did, that did not. And here we go. Eight minutes on shitting on EA. Here we go. Let's get this right, round so rumbling. Would you? Would right you like? Uh, I'll run through the list of games that, in my opinion, EA shat the bed on the release of the games. So we have Anthem, Battlefield 2042. Uh, where else are we? Dead Space 3. Fee. Because that was their one at EA um, at um, e the the one of the first EA Play things. We still care about indie games, and then they gave it zero support. Um, coming up to or or after launch, um, Mass Effect Andromeda, Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Be right back. Uh, sea of Solitude. Which again they announced at um, E3 EA Play event, not E3, and then gave zero uh, advertising dollars to, um, and Titanfall Two. Going back to what you were talking about earlier, with when do you release a game? Let's not release it between two of the major shooters that are going to get released in year. One of which being one of your own goddamn titles. What games were they? That they re- released. So they that released two. Um, so one was Battlefield Four, and the yeah. other one was Call of Duty. And they released it in between the two. Yeah, because I, I I I like that game, but it sold terribly. Yeah, because yeah. why why would you release it between? So one you don't advertise it as much as Battlefield because Battlefield's a bigger franchise, but then you release it after your biggest franchise shooter franchise launches and just before the biggest shooter franchise in the world launches so you're cannibalizing sales on one hand and losing sales on another i'm glad it wasn't the death of respawn like like because there are some there are some companies yay one of them who after a performance like that or at least a, a uh, economic performance buried them in the car park with all the other studios taken them out taken them out behind the chemical shed and shot them um but the i think the the one that i loathe the most through all of this isn't mass effect andromeda even though it's, I, again that's another lesson to 
um, another lesson to publishers, don't pay people you don't control um, to advertise your games basically for free or don't give them carte blanche to say whatever they want about your games because they will meme the shit out of it to make themselves money on their own YouTube or Twitch channels. I think the, the most disappointing one out of all of these is Anthem because you forced a studio um, to do something that they had no experience doing, um, made them do it in an unrealistic timescale, made them advertise it in such a way that it made it look like the game was more ready than it actually was, launched the beta that was fucking dreadful, and then you had to shit-can the game not long afterwards. Even even though, this and this is something that baffles me, I can still go onto the um, Xbox Game Pass app and download Anthem now. Why have you not pulled that game from the store? There is no online support for it. There is nothing you can do in the game. Pull the goddamn game. Phil. Wait, the um, servers are um, down, so like, if I go to play the game right now, I could not play it? You could play it, but there's there's nothing to do. There's there's the first few missions and nothing else. Uh, so you're just all, playing all the, the demo the old, over and over all again. All the single-player like, training or tutorial missions are available, but any of the actual uh, like out in the world you might run into people or can mm -hmm. queue up with people, I think, is dead. Oh, wow. Yeah. But you can still download the game. It makes <laughs> well, no sense to me. You could actually still buy the game, actually. Do you know that? Oh, dear God. I saw that online What's on there? a discount. <laughs> Was there data for like how many concurrent players it had like at its lowest point then? I how much I do not care is how much I'm not going to look up that figure. Because because I was gonna say I, I saw an article today that uh, THQ is um, updating Risen, which is an old like 13 year old game, and it still has like a hundred concurrent players on Steam every day, which I'm guessing is more than Anthem. Yeah. Which is really um, hilarious. Well, it's just, if, it shows of the point of, you know, like they actually could have had a really solid title if they weren't forced to pivot the way they were forced to pivot. Because like the mechanics, not not speaking of a person that's actually played the game, because I never touched the game, but from what I saw, is the mechanics looked solid. Like the flying looked fun, the shooting looked good. You know, there could be some tweaking here or there, but there was something there that they were building they just ran on. Out of meaningful stuff to do in three hours. No, it's just more mm -hmm. of like they forced them to pivot in a way, in a direction they weren't anticipating, which forced them to make a type of style that isn't, didn't match what they were going for with all the mechanics they made. If yeah. that makes we sense. We want you to make a grindy load of bollocks to um, ensure player retention and recurrent user spending, um, Less rather churn. than making. Yeah, make an actual good game. But I can't think of a publisher who has supported other than even but even their temple franchises, they don't really support very well. Because you, you saw all of the ads for Battlefield twenty forty two, but then the game came out and it's fucking tosh. Yeah. It's like what was happening behind the scenes? And the worst is that how much it's just what bugs me so much is people defending these publishers when they're like this publisher specifically when they mess up so often and then they're like oh but that's just it's just an early build of the beta it's like no no you don't have enough time to fix this 
you need yeah. to delay this. But they're saying, no, yeah. we want the money, so let's put it out there. And it's like... Well, but because we said it in a shareholder call that this was going to yes. come out before Q, before the end of Q4, whenever. 100%. Um, it's got to come out, even though we couldn't even support, support cross-party voice chat or even voice yes. chat in our online... Um, in our online-only shooter game, we couldn't support voice chat if, in the demo. If uh, if Activision is willing to, actually, they didn't do it. My my apologies. I was gonna say they're willing to delay, but they never delayed a Call of Duty. They just canceled not doing one for a year. But yeah. even if even if they're willing to do that, <laughs> to make sure they don't release a horrible, because here's the thing: it's not that like. EA releases bad games necessarily. The games are not necessarily like bad as like playable bad, play bad. It's that they functional bad is what we're getting. We're getting broken I, products. I think the thing, unfortunately, the thing is is if you're if you're an EA executive, you don't understand video games outside of Madden and FIFA mm -hmm. because they're the ones that earn you the most money. Well, so even even with Madden, they don't iterate enough to make it worth your while. Yeah, but people still buy it, even I know. though the most Madden but twenty because they buy it because of the fucking roster, and it's like, oh my god, this, this what annoys me so much. Like Madden would be a killer franchise if they released I mean, every sing every two years and just give me a new roster for like a ten dollar surcharge for the yeah. second year you buy it, or or even or even fucking half price. I don't give a shit. Just don't make another one until you know, Madam, <laughs> you're Madam, ready to yeah, iterate new. And tell me it's new. Yeah, actually give me new. something new. Like the, the features are so minute and like they try to push on it that it just it it's not enough time to really make a new mechanic, right? Like a year to like just add one small new thing to every single game every year and charge six dollars. It's not fucking worth it. You know, it's funny. Every every year fans will hack will release a like a hack to tech mobile. And all that all they'll do is update the the, the NFL roster. To, yeah. And I, I I swear it's like that's how much Madden does with with its iterations. Well, the, they they've tried to do a lot of different stuff over the years, and you either piss off a lot of people or piss off another different load of people. Um, and I know you can't please everyone all the time, but it just seems like most of their franchises that they that they have they either mismanage the launch or they don't spend the time and money in advance of the game coming out to actually make it successful. So it's, it's every time I think of um, a messed up EA launch, it's self-inflicted. Well, I was going to say, do you know how I cheated Madden to make sure I don't have to pay the extra money? I literally go through the entire roster of the next season and then I build it in Madden myself, save the roster, and then play the fucking game. <laughs> See, that's too much effort. Because I don't I play don't online. I don't play online, but yeah. I just move the players around. If someone gets traded, I'll do it in Madden really quick for myself, so I don't have to worry about it later. <laughs> but yeah, AA, I, I don't understand how they get it so wrong so often. Well, I think just the ultimate one is just how they had Star Wars for so long and only could come up with two two titles. Like two, two, one two, of which they screwed the launch off. Yeah, and it's like they finally got it right after year eight of their contract. It's like, well, what they like, didn't. They, it's like, what are you doing? They, um, I, I, I think Fallen Order they got it right. Did it was okay. 
I know people say they I really think liked it's, it. I mean, think it's above average. I don't think it's okay. I think it's good. I don't think it's. I don't think it's great. But I, I, I really like the title. I think that I didn't I like enjoy it. it. Oh, I, I played it because I wanted to. I wanted to see the Star Wars related story. Mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy playing the game. Mm, I enjoyed playing the game. The story was uh, above average for me. I, I there's some elements I really liked of the story, and there's some elements I just the whole. I, I think we talked about this already, but the crux of yeah, the whole thing is just not. But they totally I just, screwed. I they totally like screwed Battlefield Two. I, I speaking of Fallen Order, I think a lot of people don't realize that it didn't get. It got more, more mediocre for reviews. I think. I think it's like a seventy on Metacritic. It, 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 it's it's not it's not very high. Maybe it was everyone quickly googling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in the it 70s, nine, out, nine out of ten on Steam. Nine out of ten on IGN. What are you doing? Seventy nine. How is that a nine out of ten game? What are you? So thinking? it's basically basically it's an eight out of ten, pretty much. User oh, score, like user okay, score is yeah. a seven point six. Right. Uh, I got a bounce, gentlemen. I have got kids who are unhappy and hungry. It's okay. <laughs> We're wrapping up anyway, so they they know where the cornfields are. They can just rip the rip the eyes off and eat them raw. I'm assuming you, over, you overestimate how much corn we have in January. And on that note, gentlemen. Where? Me listening to Easy Allies podcast at 1.5 speed. Sorry, Dan, your Eagles are not going to win.